If you have your Bibles, please turn to Mark chapter 15. What we're going to do this week, we're going to read straight through uh, 1 through 15 together, just looking at it together. I'll read it. But I want you to just get a perspective of everything that's going on until, um, and then we'll go through it sort of verse by verse. So the way we, sometimes we just think of things, there's, there's a thing that we can learn from this in our head, head knowledge, and it should get to our heart and it should be demonstrate, demonstrated by our actions. So Mark chapter 15, starting with verse one, says this. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? And he answered him, you have said so. And the chief priest accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do the man with the man that you have called king of the Jews? And they cried out again, crucify him. And Pilate said to them, what, what ev- why, what evil has he done? But they shouted out all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. So back at verse 1, I just want you to notice a few things. We're going to go through this. Is that they did, they did the arresting and they did the trial all in the same day, and that was against Jewish law. They did, they did the old get him up and get him set, set out and charge him and deal with it, and they just ran with it. So they did not go with the things that were normal. They did not follow their own law. Remember, they were always trying to get Jesus trapped about not obeying the law, and yet they're the ones who weren't obeying the law. Uh, secondly, Pilate, who we all know his name, do we not? Suffered under Pontius Pilate. If you know the, um, the we in the beginning, gosh, I can't even think of the word, the um, Apostles' Creed, we say that. Pontius Pilate was made, he was made famous because he sent Jesus to his death. I should say maybe he should seem infamous. He was a procurator. It was a low-level governing 
uh, instance he was there for a long time, which probably showed that he was um, not, he might have been good at his job, but he wasn't moved up quickly. He was known as a very stubborn man. And that's what all the historians talk about him. And he was sort of the collector of revenue. He kept the peace as much as he could. He was a politician, right? He tried to keep everyone happy and paying their taxes. Sound familiar, sort of, right? He just want to pay taxes and keep everyone generally happy. And in verse 2, Pilate says, are you the king of the Jews? Theologians have two different ways of this being said, and it's not just the inquisitory question, but there's two ways. One is like, are you the king of the Jews? Is this the best you've got? Are you the king of the Jews? You know, you're not all that I thought you would be. Are you the king of the Jews? Are you someone I should fear? It was almost like making fun of, out of all the Jewish people, Jesus was the best that they had. So he was perplexed. The other way to look at it was um, him asking him that to trip him up to confirm that he could judge him rightly as being saying he's a king when that was totally against the Romans' way of doing things. But Jesus' response was a bit cheeky. You have said so. So no matter how you look at it, if it's, uh, if it's satire or if it's sarcasm, if you say so, sure. Or if it was a try to trap, you said it, I didn't, but I'm not saying it's not the case. So Jesus was again confronted, and these were the last words that he would say to Pilate. It goes on and says that, have you no answer to make? See how many charges that were brought against you. What typically happens if I were to come and accuse you of something that you didn't do, what typically is the response? Defensive, right? Oh, well, wait a minute. I didn't do that. I didn't do that. Or, you know, if you're a kid who ate the chocolate chip cookie, you know, on top of the cookie jar, did you eat the cookie? No, I didn't do that. What's that chocolate on your face? I don't know how it got there. You know, we're very defensive. We're, we come up with a story. We make excuses. But Jesus, he said nothing. And Pilate was amazed. Pilate was used to people who were guilty. He was used to criminals coming in. He was used to confronting their issues and passing judgment. But Jesus did not fit the mold. And I think that's something we see often. Jesus doesn't fit people's mold. Jesus doesn't fit their definition of who God should be. And that's often the problem that Christians have. We want Jesus to be who we want him to be, not who he says he is and that the Bible affirms. So as Christians, we need to be very careful that we don't say things about Jesus. I need to be very careful that aren't clearly stated in the word itself. We have to take Jesus at face value for who he is. But Pilate was amazed So now at the feast, he used to release, verse 6, for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. That word Barabbas means son of the father. Son of the father. 
And Barabbas was like a political insurgent. He was one of those activists, you know, that was out there. And many people just caught up on just like he was just this criminal murder. And yes, he was, but he was in the rebellion. He was one of those people out on the streets. And yes, there was murder, I'm sure, that took place. But he was a, an activist, and they, he was not very well liked but some, but he was liked by the Sanhedrin because they did not want to give away Jesus. In verse 7, it goes on, or excuse me, um, verse 8, it says, And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? But in verse 10, it says, For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered him up But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. Folks, we live in a time of political unrest. We live in a time of just this, clashing. I don't care what side you are. I don't care if you're Democrat. I don't care if you're Republican. I don't care if you're conservative. I don't care if you're liberal. We live in a time where people are at each other's throat. We don't know how to dialogue. I'm talking in general. I'm not pointing accusations at you as an individual. Please hear that. We don't know how to dialogue with each other. We don't know how to have an, a disagreement well. We, we get angry. We spit out what we got to say, and then we're done. Generally, that is the situation of politics in America. And it is something, there is nothing new under the sun. This happened back in Jesus' time. You had political parties, left and right, however you want to say it, that were after power. They weren't after a better Jerusalem. They weren't after uh, all this other stuff. They were after power and control, and they fought each other, and activists on both sides were going at it, and they would kill each other sometimes. It would get brutal. They could not argue points. Arguments would turn into action, and action would turn into murder. It was not a fun time to be around. And I want to say, frankly, it feels like where we live now, where we can't have solid discourse, where we got angry people all over the place, and we say that anger means passion when Jesus said to do what? Love your what? Love your enemies. Said to love your enemies. Is that the God that you worship? Yes or no? He says to love our enemies. And so I don't care if you're left or right. I don't care how far you are politically or divisively that you are called as a Christian to love. Not to get angry and bitter and to pick up your toys and run. You are called to love. You are called to do good to them who use you and despitefully uh, abuse you. You are called to do good to those uh, people. And, And yet we go, no, I'm going to stand my ground. I'm going to fight for truth and, and righteousness. And we get the gospel wrong. Now, I don't mean we can't speak truth, but we must speak truth in what? Love. And so we have practical politics from Herod instead of principled policy. 
He was being political. He brought Jesus up in front of everybody. And if you know, they were there in a praetorium and, and you're overlooking a march and he's talking to these people, he was trying to manipulate the crowd, just like a politician. Manipulate the crowd, get them to do what he wanted to do. I'm not saying every politician is like that, by the way. I'm just saying generally. Trying to get them to do what they wanted. And they were like, you don't want this man, Jesus, to be crucified. You, you want me to release him, right? And the politics of the Sanhedrin were to get the people to scream out, crucify him. We want Barabbas released. That what was being done in the underworking of things. So there was already a plot in play. You know, and we see it in politics, left or right. People paying people to come to attend things, both sides. People paying people to vote, do all this thing. It's just horrendous what's going on. But things, there's nothing new under the sun. We had practical politics over principled policy. And so he stood there with Barabbas. And he said, this man is a murderer. He's an activist. He's all this. Surely, surely you don't want me to release him. And they wanted him to be released. So the man with the name of son of the father was released. So that the son of the father would be crucified. And Pilate, in another part of the scripture, he knows that this man was not guilty of anything. And what did he do? He washed his hands clean of it. And I think that that's what people in our culture think that they can do with Jesus. They can wash their hands clean of him. They can say, no, you know, I didn't say he was a bad person. No, this, but you cannot do that. We will always have a Barabbas with us. There will always be a Barabbas. There will always be this nationalist, patriotic muscle instead of whatever, just saying that evil is external and it's coming in, but Scripture says evil is internal and it goes out. Do you see the difference? Barabbas was preaching politics and Jesus was preaching Scripture in his words and in his life. So he preached that out of your mouth, out of your heart, the mouth speaks. The Bible teaches this, that the evil is from within. That is where the problem is. But we get caught up, just like everyone else, in politics, in ideas and thoughts. There will always be a Barabbas. There will be activists on both sides. The question for you this morning is who will you choose? Jesus or Barabbas? Will you choose Jesus and say, yes, I will love my enemies? Will you choose Jesus and let your mouth be bridled like in James 3 and not be caught speaking against other people and be caught, but be caught speaking truth in love? That is choosing Jesus over Barabbas. You know, and that's hard. Does anyone have a struggle with that? Nobody has a struggle with that. Okay, I've just copied everyone's Facebook pages, um, and we're going to confirm or deny the issue of sin within the heart. Um, but the, the issue really is in here. Do you believe that as a Christian? Let's talk about it. 
Why do I say the sin is in here? Because it is. Okay, that's a, give me some, give me some depth to that. I mean, huh? James 1. James 1. Yeah. You know, this, this piece of scripture, I always look at it like, um, you know, and it helped me with every time I sin, I picture myself like I am Barabbas. Yes. You know, like, and every time I sin, I'm sending Jesus to the cross. Yeah. You know, guilt for my stuff. Yep. So it's because of our guilt, if we, you know, like he said, we are Barabbas. It's because of what we have done that sent Jesus to the cross. Or can we get the foundation that that's the truth? Anyone have a question about that? Can we get that, G, that the Bible says that the sin, the nature of sin is birthed into us? That we are sinners at birth. It doesn't mean that we're making conscious decisions immediately, but my best way to describe it is put little kids in a room with a toy and see where the sin nature leads. You know, mine, mine, the seagulls, right? And mine, mine, mine. You know, and so we have this within us. And so because of the sin issue that we have in our hearts, and because we will continue along that way, there had to be a Savior. And so we can't be thankful for Jesus unless we recognize the depth of our sin. And the comp, the, where that gets confrontational with people is they begin comparing. Well, wait a minute, Eric. You know, I am no Adolf Hitler. And I'm like, thank you. I'm glad about that. That's good. And I might go in response to you, you're no Jesus. Right? And so both are right to a sense. But the best way I had it described to me when I was younger is that who is like, you all think of Billy Graham as being pretty high Christian guy, right? He's got a lot of stripes. Or maybe Mother Teresa who's given her whole life to, to the work of ministry until she passed. You know, that they're up there, but the Bible says there are none righteous, no, not one. So the Bible erases, eradicates the idea that I'm a good person. That I'm just generally a good person. I know myself enough to know I'm not that good of a person. It takes a lot of Jesus work in my life to even give you what you've got now. And I still say, I know the depths of my heart, and I'm not a good person, but I know a good Savior. I know a good Savior. And yes, I am Barabbas. I am the one who is murdered. I've taken lives. The Bible says, if we think to murder a man, we have already committed it anyway. If we lust upon a woman, we have committed adultery. If we've done this, we've broken all the commandments. And so that is where grace sets in. That as God's people, we're not political activists, but we're Jesus' disciples. We're disciples who are going to obey the words Jesus said. We're not going to make up a version of Jesus, but we're going to obey what Jesus said. Is it Jesus or Barabbas this morning? In verse 12, it says, And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. 
And I would say to you this morning that the question stands for you and me, what shall I do with this man called Jesus? You can ignore him. You can try to ignore him. You can try to blot him out of your life, but you have to do something with him. Verse 14, it says, And Pilate said to them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas, and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Um, Mel Gibson in The Passion of the Cross does a great job of showing the physical suffering of Jesus. Mark just points out one word. They scourge Jesus. The Gospels actually put less uh, focus on the physical beating of Jesus because that was not the greatest suffering that Jesus had on the cross. The greatest suffering was separation from the Father. For you and me, not knowing Jesus, that will be the greatest suffering is not being known by the Father. So what can we do? We can try to outshout the other side, crucify him, don't crucify him. We have this degenerating public discourse of the crowd screaming. We have Pilate who gives in to the crowds because he values position over truth. We have a time where we shout instead of think anymore. Folks, if you're a parent this morning, I'm just going to speak to parents for a minute. Teach your kids to argue well. Teach them how to have discourse. Teach them how to find what truth is and to research it and not just go off of something they read on the internet. Teach them what the Bible says about truth. Teach them where the foundation is from that. Don't model for them the opposite. I think I said it last week. It's been impacting my soul. People don't become what you teach. They become what you are. Let us be an example of Jesus. So what do we do as Christians with this? We know that Jesus had a crown put upon him and he suffered on the cross. What do we do with this? In this situation this week, if the head, if the head knowledge is what Jesus did, what, who Barabbas was, who Pontius Pilate was, what they did, they gave him over to the people, it was a political decision, the people were arguing, all these things happened, but what does that mean for my heart? And I would say one of the questions you need to ask yourself, am I choosing Barabbas or am I choosing Jesus as Jesus is defined by himself? And then the question is, what do you do with that? How do you make it to your hands and feet? So I want to give you one answer to that. In Hebrews, it talks about being surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. I would encourage you as God's people to surround yourselves by people who are going to push you towards the gospel, who are going to push you towards loving your enemies, who are going to push you to learning what grace is, who are going to encourage you not to be legalistic and act accusatory, who are going to push you to help those who are suffering, who are going to encourage you to help 
the poor, who are going to encourage you to do those things and surround yourself with a physical cloud of witnesses, but also be reminded in Scripture that we have a spiritual cloud of witnesses that are around that we can learn from each and every one of them. Practical application. Surround yourself by people. So I'll say this to you. As adults and young people, are you hanging around people that aren't helping your soul? Are you more like Pilate that you want the crowd to be happy and everyone to be going one direction? Are you willing to stand and say, no, I'm holding to truth that I love Jesus and I'm choosing him? If you're a kid in school, uh, we all know, and it's not just you all, but it's, it's adults as well, that you have to put yourself around a group of people that are going to encourage you that are going to hold you accountable and love you, adults, same thing for us, that are going to encourage us so that when the time of persecution comes, we will be able to stand firmly because we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. Choose Jesus this morning. We are sinners. We live in a broken world. We need help. God's offered the most beautiful help in his son who died on the cross, who rose again, who sits at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. He did not leave us alone. We have the Holy Spirit. Folks, when I get dark in my soul, you ever get there? Just get dark in your soul? I talk to God the Father and I talk to God the Son. And, but I intentionally say, Holy Spirit, I need you now to illuminate this dark heart. If you're struggling this morning, if you're hurting this morning, I encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit to have full sway in your spirit. If you don't know Jesus, if you've chosen Barabbas in the past and you want to choose Jesus, it's as simple as asking him and saying, I believe you're the son of God and you died for me. I just ask that you would take this old heart and give me a new heart.